Okay, today, friends, today is Healing Sunday, and uh, in Jesus' name, you are healed. The Bible says you're healed. You're not trying to get healed. Say, stop trying. Stop worrying. Stop fretting. Amen. Stop struggling. Now listen to me. I, I, I'm not saying don't go to see doctors. Jesus said they that, are, uh, they that are sick are in need of the physician. Did you know he said that? It's in the Bible. There's nothing wrong with doctors. There's not one thing in the Bible that says, thou shalt not go ye unto a doctor, yo. It's not in there. All right. My dad's a doctor. He's a very good man. But my dad is a very honest man, and he would tell you that doctors are practicing medicine, and they don't know everything, right? And they do the best that they can for you. I mean, the Centers for Disease Control is doing the best that they can for you, but they can't. There's, the government isn't here to save us from everything, amen. And doctors aren't here to save us from everything. They're here to help us, and thank God they are. I mean, when Dr. Jonas Salk developed the uh, polio vaccine, in the last century. Thank God that saved the lives of millions of people. Think about the people that have been saved from smallpox and tuberculosis and all of these diseases that, that medical science has eradicated. Praise God for it. Amen. I mean, life is better because of that. The development of the, uh, was, it, was it Dr. Curie that uh, invented or, or discovered uh, uh, penicillin? Right? Marie Curie, isn't that the right name for the, the lady that discovered penicillin? Saved millions of lives. Thank God for it. But you know, there comes a time when even medical science cannot help us. My suggestion, my friendly neighborhood preacher's suggestion to you, is that you rely on God first and put medicine in its proper place down the line. You know, listen, all these things work together. Proper nutrition, exercise. It's all good. It's good for you, right? It's supposed to be good for you to eat right, right? Eating three or four gallons of ice cream every day is probably not a good way to stay healthy. Amen. And all the donuts in the back of the room said amen. All right, glory to God. Praise the Lord, right? <laughs> Listen, having a donut every now and then is not going to kill you. Whatever you eat, you're supposed to exercise faith over and say, in Jesus' name, that food's blessed. Amen. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean we act crazy, right? It's all right, Lord, this fifth, of whiskey, this fifth of whiskey I'm drinking for lunch today is a blessed Jesus today. I got to hurry up and go back to work this afternoon. I only got to drive across town. It's all good. No. Don't be crazy. H have some common sense, amen. H having a good, balanced diet is good for you, praise the Lord. But, you know, even people that have good, balanced diets and exercise, sometimes they get sick. Why don't you just take healing on a spiritual level? Because you are a spirit being. We are spirits. We have a soul and we live in a body. And that's the way we're supposed to live. Not body, soul, and then spirit. But spirit and then soul and then body. So believe you receive your healing. Right? And then every thought that comes into your soul that says, you know, something bad is going to happen to you. Say, oh, shut up, devil, in Jesus' name. You know, and if you get in strife with somebody, repent and get out of it. Because strife will make you sick. Arguing and fussing with people that you love will make you sick. Amen. Ask me how I know. It's not good for you. Amen. You've got to stay in, in peace at work. If you're in a situation at work where you're just, we don't have peace, that is bad for your immune system. Amen. If you're in a tough marriage, and I've been in a tough marriage, okay, that's not good for your immune system. You've got to learn to walk in love in the tough places. Amen. And God can take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. But you have to learn to live from the inside out. We all do. Uh, the third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. The, the apostles' number one prayer for the church was prosperity and health. But he said it starts in your soul. It starts on the inside of you. It doesn't start in my circumstances. Okay, Lord, I'm going to pray. And when I start feeling better, then I'll know you heard my prayer. That's back of birds. That's backwards. We, we, got, we got the cart before the horse here now. We got to say, all right, Lord, I believe I received my healing. And I trust you that the symptoms are beginning to dissipate even right now, even though I may not even feel it better. You, you, you are healed before you feel better. That's the way it's supposed to be. Did you know you're rich before you can see all them zeros at the end of your number in your bank account? You're already rich, amen. Amen, you got to see yourself wealthy. Amen, that doesn't mean go running up your credit card like, like some kind of nincompoop. Don't do that stuff. That's not good for you. Let's have some common sense here, amen.
It took me many years to learn how to handle credit cards. I'm still learning a few things about finances. We don't arrive, amen? But listen, you have to see yourself successful, and then you will, you will go towards success. Amen. You have to see yourself as a powerful Christian. Even when you feel like cat food on a stick, amen. Right? You've got to see yourself as a powerful, strong, vibrant uh, uh, Christian leading, leading a meaningful Christian life, amen. Right? Come on, let, you, let your imagination run some. Say, God, you put me on this earth for a purpose. Not just to struggle from, from pillar to post and from paycheck to paycheck, but you put me here, Lord, to be a victor and to walk in victory, to walk in power, to walk in peace, to make a difference. Can you believe that with Pastor today? Can you agree with me on that? Amen. Is that too strong for anybody? Amen. That's why you're here? All right. All right. Let's see if we can get to the main message here, okay? <laughs> oh, boy. Praise God. All right. Say, I'm blessed. I want you to look with me. Uh, I'm not going to have time to go into Deuteronomy in great detail. Deuteronomy chapter. Anybody can spell Deuteronomy for extra credit? Okay. I'm sure you can, Ron. All right. Okay. <laughs> Deut it's the fourth book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, N Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Is my math okay? Is that four? Whatever. Right? <laughs> like that one politician said, early fall next spring. I mean, last winter. I mean, what, you know what I mean. Right? Deuteronomy. It's early in the Bible. It's in the, I think they call it the Pentateuch or the, or the Torah, right? Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first 15 verses is the catalog of the blessing. Now, the blessing is perhaps the central theme of the Torah. God, God created mankind on the earth. He created the animals and he blessed them. And he said it was very good. He created man and he blessed them. And then he, uh, when he saved Noah and his family, they came off the boat and he blessed them. And then in Genesis chapter 12, when he called Abram, he blessed him. Right? And then when Abram uh, uh, offered Isaac right on the mountains of Moriah, the angel, just before he stabbed that kid, you know, in the face with that knife, right? God stopped him and said, You're, because you obeyed me. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Because you obeyed me. You and your generations for a thousand generations are blessed. All nations shall call you blessed. The blessing is perhaps one of the, the most significant central themes of the whole Bible. And here we are. He got, Egypt, he got the Israelites out of Egypt. They crossed the, the wilderness. They're, they crossed the, the, they're getting ready to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. And Moses, on the last day of his life, he spoke the whole book of Deuteronomy. And uh, the first uh, 15 verses, I believe it is, of Deuteronomy 28 are the blessing. He says, you'll be blessed coming out and going in. You'll be blessed in the fruit of your body. That means your children. That means everything you touch. He says, when you work, you'll be blessed. Your home will be blessed. Your clothing will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. Everything you touch will be blessed. Read it for yourself. I, you know, I, it'd take me a couple hours here, you know, to really go through that. Once I get into it, you know how I am, right? Okay, right? And then he starts about verse 16 where he talks about the curse. All right? So I'm going to just I'm just going to start with verse 1 here. I'm going to share something with you, okay? Verse 1, Deuteronomy 28:1 in the NLT. He says, "If you fully obey the Lord." Stop right there. Has anybody ever fully obeyed the Lord? <laughs> you should be up here preaching. I mean, I'll go sit down, right? None of us have ever fully obeyed the Lord. Right? None of us have. Remember, this is the Old Testament. The, the blessings of the Old Testament were conditional after Adam sinned. They were universal before Adam sinned, and they were conditional after that. Who fulfilled all the conditions of the Old Testament? One person in history. What's his name? Jesus fulfilled all of the conditions of the Old Testament, so therefore he is entitled to all of the blessings. And what did he do with that entitlement? He gave it to us. Freely. Freely. So you have to, make, you have to understand that he says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and, and keep his, all his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your, your God will set you on high above all the nations of the world. That belongs to you in Christ because he fully obeyed. Are you following this? Is this too complicated for anybody? All right. 
Uh, he says, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. And so on and so forth and on and on and on. All right. Come on down here to uh, verse 15. And let's start looking at the catalog of the curse. He says, but if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commandments and decrees that I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Have you ever just felt overwhelmed by life? Have you ever felt overwhelmed by sickness, by situations, by relationships? Relationships are in here. Read it. It's all in here. Financial problems, debt, poverty, lack. Having people come raid your bank account. I've had them come attach my bank account before. You wake up in the morning and some lawyer has attached your bank account. That's a, that's a bummer, dude. That's no fun. That's in here. That's all under the curse. That's all under the, say that's all under the curse. It's, tell your faith buddies, say you're not under the curse. You're blessed, you're blessed. You're blessed. See, there's the blessing and the curse, right? Okay, so I'm going to keep reading here. He says, if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God, verse 16, your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your, verse 17, your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. See, my kids ain't cursed. My, paycheck, my paycheck's not cursed. My paycheck is blessed. Friend, when God's blessing is on your paycheck, it'll grow. I mean, God can make a dollar last you a year if he needs to, amen. That's the blessing. Remember when Jesus blessed the loaves and the fishes? I mean, that was one little boy's lunch. Some smart aleck professor says, yes, but the loaves were much bigger back in those days. Can you see a little six-year-old boy carrying a loaf the size of a pickup truck into, right? I don't think that's happening, bro. It was, it was a, a, a two-piece fish dinner with some little crackers with it is what it was, friend. A couple of sardines and a couple of crackers. And Jesus blessed that and fed a multitude. That's what the blessing will do in your life. It works, friend. It just works. It's working for us. It's working for me and Cindy. You know, uh, we, we make more now. We have other enterprises besides just preaching. And God's been very good to us in, in the ministry. But we have other enterprises. Say multiple streams of income. Yeah, yes, yeah, close your eyes and see this happening to you. See multiple streams of income coming to you. Come on now, if it, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. Trust me on this one, friend. Amen. So come on, believe this now. Say, multiple streams of income coming to me. See, what happens is, it's going to come to you easier and bigger and better with less stress Every day for the rest of your life, if you believe it. If you have this image, you watch the wrong channel, right? And they're going to talk to you about, you know, you're never going to be able to afford your health care. i got no problems paying for my health care. I mean, it, it never comes up. Uh, we have no issues paying any of our bills. None. We have zero concern or worry about, about retirement. And uh, listen, you have to have the same attitude whether you have a billion dollars or one nickel. You got to start when you only got the nickel or can't find the nickel. You say, God, I just believe you're taking care of me. You know, you got to believe that God loves you. I mean, do you love your kids? Yeah. Crickets, crickets. Anybody love their kids? Y'all love your kids, amen. I know you love your kids. You'd take anything and make sure your kids had theirs first, wouldn't you? That, that love, that real parental love is something that we inherited from the Father God. You know, it's a reckless love that looks out for somebody else's interest at my own expense. Okay. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be cursed. Deuteronomy 28, 19. You ever had that hanging over your head where you just feel like you just can't win for losing? Everything I do is a booger. Everything I do is the wrong thing. I always say the wrong thing. I always think sounds stupid, right? I just can't win. Have you ever had that feeling? I have. That's the curse. That's the catalog of the curse. Just don't subscribe to anything in this catalog, right? Because you're not under the curse. This is what I got to get you to see before we leave here today. We got to lock the doors it takes till midnight. We're going to make you... We got to get you to see you're not under the curse. Amen. You got to believe 
that when Jesus hung on the cross, he absorbed the curse for you. Did you know that Jesus absorbed coronavirus on the, on the, on the, cur- on the cross? Did, that's right here. This is technical language now. This is in here. I mean, uh, if you t- listen to Rick Renner and let him go through this chapter for you, he's going to show you that all allergies, all arthritis, all endocrine malfunction, all hormonal imbalances is all under the curse. Say, I'm not under the curse. Just, it's, just not, it's just not part. I don't need that. Amen. I just don't need it. Amen. So I'm going to keep reading here a little bit. It says, uh, and this is one thing that we got to help people understand. I'm in verse 21. It says, the Lord will afflict you with diseases until none of you are left in the land you're about to, that you are about to enter and occupy. The Lord will afflict you. Do you see that language there? Or it says there, uh, yeah, there you go. Now, what most of the English translator, in, in fact, nearly all of the English translators did not realize, and we get this from uh, Dr. Robert Young, the able Hebrew translator in the last century, showed us from the Hebrew that in the ancient Hebrew language, and listen, King James and his, his people in 1611 did not understand this, that in the ancient Hebrew there was both the causative and the permissive sense of these verbs. It's not that the Lord's going to afflict you, but the Lord is going to have to allow you to be afflicted because you refuse to obey Him. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. It's like He's holding the umbrella for you, and you refuse to get up under the umbrella. Now you get out there in the rain, is God afflicting you? No, but He has to allow it because... You have a free will. God is not in complete control. God is, amen, if God's in complete control, then he is putting coronavirus on on America. God doesn't have coronavirus. How would God put coronavirus on anybody anyway? By speaking? The Bible says he sent his word and it heals. By laying hands on somebody? No. Every time he laid hands on somebody, they got well. You know, you have to, smile, Pastor, this is good news for God's people, right? You have to interpret what you hear in the religious world in light of the written word of God, friends. When people say, well, God allows this stuff. Really? Did God allow Adam to eat that fruit? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So listen, if I, if I throw you my car keys, right, and you take, an, you take my car out here, and you, you go 100 miles an hour down down. You're on street out here. Did I make you get a speeding ticket? Right? I allowed it then, didn't I? You might come back to me and say, your stupid car goes too fast, man. And it does. It's fast. Oh, bless the Lord. It's fast. But that's not my fault. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys. Whatever you allow is going to be allowed. Read it in, in, in Matthew 16, Matthew 18. He said, whatever you allow, i got to allow it because you have the keys. You know, the relationship between Christ and the church is much the same as the relationship between a husband and wife. I said, Cindy, you know, I mean, your, your name's on my checking account here. Okay, I'm going to work now, okay? You got a, you got a debit card with, with our name on it. You know, you, Lee is your last name. I know it used to be Ortega and all that. Thank you for taking my name. God bless you for having enough confidence in me to take my name. Praise the Lord. It's a blood covenant. God bless you for, for taking my name. But don't wear it out. Please, amen. <laughs> right? Don't go. Because she could go out here and get a bunch of stuff, right, with my name. And then the credit card company's going to call me and say, you going to pay this, Lee? Your name's Lee, right? I said, no, my, my name's Brian Ortega. <laughs> no, that's how, the, that's how the kingdom is. Jesus gave us his name. And there's been some things that was done in Jesus' name that probably ought not been done. Amen. Right? There's been some things, some churches did some things in Jesus' name. I'm sure Jesus might have cringed a little bit and said, really, guys? Come on, that's not, we got to walk in love. We're supposed to be walking in faith. Amen. Faith, I said. Ask your faith buddy. Say, you got any faith? You got any faith? That's what I tell Ezekiel. I say, you got any faith? When he comes up and starts crying and whining about something, I said, when he was five, three, four, five years old, I said, do you have faith? He'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd get a hold of himself. 
When, you, when you're walking by faith, you're not going to be yanked all over emotionally by everything that's happening in life. Say amen. That's good preaching, amen. I mean, this is really some simple stuff. When we're walking by faith, we got some courage. We got a backbone, amen. We don't bend with everything. You know, the thing about the, the, the faith lifestyle is you don't have to make a bunch of adjustments every time something happens out there in the culture, in the media, in the news. Because the way you're living is the right way to live anyway when you're walking by faith. You're already a few steps ahead of them all the time. You know, even if they run you completely out of toilet paper, you know, when you're walking by faith, amen. You know, the Spirit of God is going to say, hey, why don't you grab another roll of toilet paper when you're at Safeway next to that, right? Amen. We have a friend, and somebody delivered him a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, before the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 hit. <laughs> right? And they said, hey, uh, brother, I got, I got a truckload of toilet paper for you. He's in the ministry in Los Angeles. Rick, Rick Reyna. Our friend Rick Reyna. Somebody delivered him a truckload of toilet paper. What would you say if somebody came to your house, honk, honk, it's the blessing truck, and they dump toilet paper in your front yard? What would you say? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, now you go, to your, now you go back to your prayer closet and say, all right, Lord, help me. What's the deal here? Right? Nobody knew there was going to be a toilet paper shortage. Amen. When we receive our tithes and offerings today, if you want to pay in toilet paper, we would receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I went to Safeway. What was it? What night? Friday night? Nothing, honey, right? Bare shelves. We called them last night. I said, y'all got any toilet paper? And they said, uh, no, but we're getting a shipment overnight. I was there at 530 this morning. Nothing, honey, right? No toilet paper. So praise the Lord. We're going to, amen. Be stealing toilet paper from restaurants all over town. Just kidding. We're okay. I'm just teasing you a little bit. We're fine. We're good. The Lord will afflict you. The Lord's not afflicting nobody. There's a scripture in Job where it says, God is good. He will not afflict. You know, James wrote to the church and said, He is the Father of lights, with whom is the, there is no variableness nor changing, right? He, he, he does not tempt mankind, neither is he tempted, right? These, tempt, these temptations and the temptation to sin or fail does not come from God. God is not throwing roadblocks in front of you and then snickering to see how you try to get around it. That's not our Jesus. I wouldn't do that to my kids. Now, I'm teaching and training my kids, Amen. And I may take them to a place, right, where they're unfamiliar with their surroundings to teach them, right, to get out of the box, think outside the box a little bit, and grow up some. Amen. That's what God's going to do with us too. Amen. And, and I think that's what you're seeing in the church. There's a lot of church in, in churches that we know of that are kind of comfortable, kind of complacent. And like Cindy said, if they're going to freak out over coronavirus, what, what would they do if, if uh, you know, if they started shutting down churches? Saying, it is illegal for you to meet. And we've even heard this in the last 24 hours. There's a ban. Friends, no, the government does not have the right to ban church services. In Jesus' name. This is America, right? We're in America, right? This is not Cuba, right? This is not Venezuela, right? This is the United States of America. And you're free. And you need to stand up for your freedoms. Amen. All right, get off of that, Pastor. Preach on healing. Amen. All right. Be nice to the people. Be nice to everybody. Amen. All right. Let's keep going here. There's, there's a lot. This, the many verses in this chapter. Uh, look at verse. Uh, 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 here, verse uh, 27. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt and the tumors and the scurvy and the itch from which you cannot be cured. All kinds of nasty diseases that, you, that they, the doctors, the physicians have no cure for. That's under what? Under what? Under the curse. Are you under the curse? I Say, I'm not under the curse. Say, pastor's reading the curse. And I'm not under the curse. I'm under the blessing. All right. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and panic. All this stuff about panic attacks and hallucinations and depression, that's under the curse. Say, I'm not under the curse. He says, uh, uh, come on down here a few verses. Verse 34, you will go mad because of the, all the tragedy you see around you. I don't care how much 
tragedy you're surrounded by. You're not supposed to be focusing on the tragedy. We're supposed to be helping people in tragedy, but we're not supposed to be saying, oh my God, what are we going to do now? You, Christians should not talk that way. We're supposed to be stronger than that. Like Cindy said, this is our time. This is when the church should be, should be shining. This is when the glory of God wants to explode His glory on this country through the church. We can't run and hide from our moment, guys. we got to be strong. we got to embrace the challenges, amen, and say, all right, we're made for this. This is what we're made for right here. Amen. We can do this. Amen. Say amen. amen. I mean, you, I know you guys. You can handle life. You can handle some tough times. Come on now. Amen. All right. Uh, the Lord uh, <laughs> will exile you and your king to a nation unknown to you and your ancestors. There in exile, you will worship gods of wood and stone. <clears throat> Look at here, verse uh, 38. You will plant much but harvest little, for locusts will eat your crops. Now, in today's economy, most of us are not out here planting row crops or planting, you know, 40 acres of wheat or something, right? But when you sow your seed at offering time, even if it's toilet paper or Kleenex or whatever, right? If you, you're supposed to respect a return on that. You are to an, expect a return on your seed sowing just like the farmer does. Does the farmer go plant a thousand acres of wheat and just say, well, I, I wouldn't want to be greedy. I'm just going to plant that and just kind of walk away and let God worry about it. And if, if you know, a couple things, you know, if, if some of the plants come up out of the ground and run into my barn, then I'll accept it. But I'm not going to go out there and work to harvest it. That, that would be foolish now, wouldn't it? I can teach you how to harvest it's very, very simple. You've got to claim what's yours. If you've sown seed, I don't care if it's a nickel or a penny. If you've sown any seed in the kingdom of God, I don't care if it's your time. Some of you sow your time and your effort in setting up the, the room. I mean, look at how beautiful it is in here. That's somebody's seed. You know, so we got a, a, an offering envelope the other day with mustard seeds in it. Somebody's believing God. You're supposed to expect a return on your seed sowing in the kingdom. That's only common sense now, isn't it? It's only common sense, right? You don't go work a job and say, that's ah, okay, I don't need no paycheck. No, you, you harvest that paycheck, don't you? Amen. Amen. I don't care if, if, if you got food stamps coming. Somebody sowed seed for you to receive that harvest. You need to grab up on them food stamps. Amen. So that's mine in Jesus' name. You don't say, well, that's okay. I don't. Uh, we're, we're just... You know, we're poor, but we're proud, and we're just, we're just going to stay that way. We're just, I'm going to let my kids starve because I'm too proud to take food stamps. That's not, that's not common sense. That's not common sense either. Amen? All right. Move on down here so I can get to my main message here, okay? All right. It says, moving on down here to verse 47, if you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. You'll be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking in everything. Now the difference in the Old Testament and the New is that they were not children of God. They were children of Israel. They were not in God's family, so they were required to serve God in order to meet the religious requirements. Are, are you listening to me? I mean, if the professor was teaching you something technical, you'd be, you'd be listening carefully. In the Old Testament, they were not in God's family because nobody was born again in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you've been born again. Is Jesus your Lord? Yes. Say, Jesus, Jesus is my Lord, you know, when, you, when you're talking to somebody and trying to help them with their spiritual life, that's what I typically ask people. I say, well, who is Jesus to you? And if they say, well, you know, he's the son of God. He was a great prophet, you know, that kind of stuff. That's true, but who is he to you? Is he your Lord? Is he the shot caller in your life? Do you check in with him regularly? If you feel like the Lord wants you to do something, Lord, really, you want me to go over there and do that? Really, you want me to give that? You want me to start a church? Really? I mean, that was me five years ago, six years ago. Really, Lord, you want me to be a pastor? I don't want to be a pastor. I'm so glad I obeyed the Lord. Aren't, aren't you? <laughs> yes, we are. 
Amen. But see, in the Old Testament, they were servants of God. In the New Testament, we are sons and daughters of God. Now, does your, do your kids have to do Now, I realize there's, if your kids are out of line, you might say you're going to bed without your supper, right? I mean, that does happen. It used to happen when I was growing up. I don't know if this modern age that you can get away with that anymore. They'll dial 911 on you, but you know what I'm talking about, right? There could, you might have to put some conditions to bring your household into order. I understand that. Having said that, do your kids have to be perfect to get breakfast at your house? No. Hmm? How about lunch? Do they have to be perfect to get lunch at your house? How about, do, do they get a bed? Does everybody get a bed at your house? Are they all sleeping on the floor? They get blankets, clothes, everything? Really? Are they, so you're saying they're perfect. They never make mistakes. So what you're telling me then is that your children have rights and privileges just because they're, they're your kids. Just because they're your kids, they have rights and privileges which are undeniable. You would never deny your kids their rights and privileges, right, because they're your children, right? Is that right, ladies? Is that right, mamas and, and, and dads? You would you'd do anything to make sure they had food and shelter and clothing, right, and a good place to live and hot water to bathe in and everything, right, because they're your kids. Isn't it great when they serve? Isn't it great when they pick up their stuff? Isn't that great? But if they don't pick up their stuff, if they don't help you with the chores, if they, right, they're still your kids. And even when you get to be my age and your kids are your age, <laughs> if they don't do absolutely everything you want them to do, they're still your kids. Isn't that right, Dolores? Right. Isn't that right, Cindy? Even if they don't do every single thing you want them to do, they're still your kids, right? You overlook. You overlook. I, I really want my kids to do this. And what if they don't? You still love them, right? They're still your kids. Now, in the New Testament, we are sons of that serve. In the Old Testament, they were servants hoping to become sons someday. Right? It's a big difference between the Old and the New Testament. So he says here in verse 47, if you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits that you have received, right, you will serve your enemies. Isn't it tragic that a son would have to serve the enemy? Wouldn't that be tragic? If your child had to go do something like in the prodigal son, he had to go slop hogs. He was a Jewish boy. Slopping hogs was an abomination for a Jewish boy in Luke chapter 15. He, had, he was a son that had to go serve the enemy for his sustenance. Isn't that tragic? But when he came home, the moment he came home, who was sitting on the front porch waiting for him? Now, when he came, he came stumbling home down the driveway, the father ran to him, right? And he put no conditions on him. He said, put the ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, kill the fatted calf. My son that was lost has come home, right? You have rights and privileges as a son of God, whether or not you serve him. Remember the story? The older brother told him, said, hey, dad, well, how come you treating this boy like this? I've been serving you all these years, and this boy went and blew all your money, been living, you know, on the streets out there, and you give him, you killed the fatted calf for him. And what did the father tell the older brother? He said, all I ever had belongs to you. Huh? You could have had it all along. You don't have to serve God. You just have to believe God. Say amen. Say, you don't have to live a perfect life to get healed. Aren't you glad about that? Because I'd have been out. I'd have been out. I'd have been out in the cold. You do not have to live a perfect life to receive healing. It's a free gift. Can you receive it? Right. Take it. Say, I'm taking my healing right now. I'm a child of God. I'm taking my healing right now in Jesus' name. All right. So let's boogie on down here to verse 61, which is where I wanted to get to. All right. Okay. Man, there's some good stuff in here. Have you ever read Deuteronomy 28? It's PG-13. There's some, some strong stuff in there. All right. Look at verse 60. It says that he, speaking of God, will afflict you. Now, we already talked about that. There's permissive sense of this verb that the translators did not know about. And all of the English translations followed suit. They just didn't have enough, they didn't have enough understanding. of the, So it should read, he will allow you to be afflicted with all the diseases of Egypt that you have feared so much. Say, I'm not afraid of disease. I refuse to fear. Say, I'm not afraid of being sick. 
I'm well in Jesus' name. You know, that's a big step toward getting well. Just saying, I'm not afraid of you, devil. We don't run from the devil at Boost Church. Huh? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good little saying you might want to take home with you. We don't run from the devil at Boost Church. Right? We're not afraid of sickness. Are you kidding me? All right. Um, it says, he will afflict you with all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much, and you will have no relief. Verse 61. The Lord will afflict you with every sickness and every plague there is, even those not mentioned in this book of the law. So even stuff that Moses never even heard of is covered. It's under the curse. Can you see this? Is coronavirus included in verse 61? It would have to be. The wisdom of God had this all covered for you. All right, now let's go over to the New Testament, if we could, please. And uh, see if we can edify ourselves with the writings of Paul. I believe we can, don't you? Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm going to move briskly through this chapter, okay? Because I have much to read here, okay? Are you, is everybody okay? Everybody cool? He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? He's, he's protesting that the Galatian churches wanted to return to the Old Testament. He said, dudes, I came and preached to you Gentile heathens that salvation is a free gift. Then the Judaizers came after Paul and said, no, you've got to obey the Old Testament too now. Well, wait a minute. You were already walking in freedom. Why would you let anybody put religion on you? Religion is bondage. In fact, that's what the word means. Religion means return to bondage. So I ain't going back to bondage. Uh-uh, not me. I've, I've had a taste of freedom. I'm not going back to bondage. How about you? I'm going to fight for my freedom, amen? You've got to stand in your freedom. That means standing against all forms of fear. Amen? That means standing against all forms of poverty. It means standing against all forms of sickness. You've got to fight for it. I mean, you have an inheritance, but you've got to fight for it. The judge doesn't take off his, his uh, uh, righteous robes and come down from the seat of judgment and go out and chase Bubba and them down the street for you to get your stuff back now, does he? But he'll grant you with that document that says this stuff is yours, but you still have to enforce it. And sometimes you've got to get local grace enforcement involved to get your stuff back, Amen. That's who we are, local grace enforcement, right? Okay. Verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, by living perfect, or by the hearing of faith? You notice that I've been talking up here for, what, almost an hour now? And do you notice the atmosphere in this room is totally alien and foreign to what you're going to see on the news channels? Do you notice the atmosphere in this room is charged with faith? That's because faith comes by hearing. This room is filled with faith, enough faith to move mountains, enough faith to cure disease, enough faith to change destinies, because you're hearing it. He says, did you get this by being perfect or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh or by working at it really hard or trying to figure it out, like we say sometimes? You know, when things happen, you know, bills come. Are we trying to figure it out? When we're dealing with relationship hassles, are we trying to figure it out? He says, having begun in the Spirit, what makes you think you're going to make it in the flesh now? I thought you started in the Spirit. Wasn't that better? Isn't it better to live free and live by faith and walk by faith and say, I don't care what happens. Who cares anyway? Well, what if they kill you? Whoop-dee-doo-doo-doo. That'd be the best thing that ever happened to you. Remember, the fear of death is the master fear. All these little baby fears are just tributaries in the mainstream of fear, which is the fear of death. Say, I'm not afraid to die. I already died in the cross in Christ. If you have faith in Jesus, you died in the cross in Him. Who, who did He die for? Who did He die for? Do you, do you, good. Do you see Him hanging on that cross? Close your eyes. You see Him hanging on that cross. That was you. Who'd he die for? Then it was you. We had to die. We sinned. 
We had to die. He did it for us. He sure didn't die for himself, friend, let me tell you. He was sinless, the spotless Lamb of God. There was no cause of death in him. There was no conviction of death in him. There was no sin in him. It was illegal for him to die. But it was legal for him to substitute for me. Ooh, is, it, is that wonderful? Is that wonderful? And he suffered my poverty. Did you know on the day that he was crucified, when they whipped him, he suffered my sickness, all sicknesses. How many times did they hit him? Did they stroke him with that scourge? 39 times. Grisly, gory beating that he absorbed for me. For me. And did you know, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I just play one on TV. No. <laughs> did you know I've heard tell that there's 39 major classes of sickness known to medical science? Isn't that amazing? He absorbed the curse for me. All I got to do is believe it. This is my inheritance. Listen, this is one thing that Christian people get confused about. They think, well, this was a good Christian. They served God. They did this. They visited the sick. They helped the poor. How could God let them die young of sickness? Healing is not payment for service in the kingdom. Healing is your blood-bought inheritance. When you believe it and you receive it and you take it, you're going to have it. Amen. Whether you're a perfect little Christianette that never smoked a cigarette or not. Right? All you got to do is believe you receive or doubt and do without. That's the way the kingdom works. That's why Christian people sometimes that have been around for a long time and doing the right thing, they say. And somebody new comes in. And gets it all in a couple of weeks. And we're like, wait a minute, Pastor. I've been a servant up in here for 9 to 47 years. And God never answered none of my prayers. That's because you're a bewitched Galatian. That's why. You think, you, you think God owes you because you earned it because you served him. Uh-uh. Right. You're a son of the living God that has volunteered for service because you have a revelation of how good God is to you. And you can't help but want to serve him. You can't help but want to expand his kingdom. All right. Next verse, please. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Do you like the King James? I love it. He, therefore, that ministereth to you the Spirit and works miracles among you. He's, Paul says, did I do this by the works of the law or did I do this by the hearing of faith? He said, when the congregation got together, I preached and I taught. Faith filled the room and miracles happened. See, I'm taking my miracle right now. What, what is the miracle that you need right now in your life? Do you, need, do you need to be delivered from depression? Take it. There's enough faith in here for you to never suffer depression another minute in your life ever again. Take it. Say, I believe I receive it. Depression is under the curse. Say, I will not be depressed in Jesus' name. I will not be depressed in Jesus' name. Next, please. Even as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. Do you know anything about Abraham? Abraham could not be a member in good standing in most churches. <laughs> if you know anything about his life. He didn't know anything about any of our religious rules. And God, just because he believed God, God declared him to be righteous. And he'll do the same thing with you. Seven. Know ye not therefore that they which are of faith. Are you of faith? Are you a faith child? Are you a faith believer? Right? Are you in the faith right, right now? Say, I have, faith. I have faith. Tell your faith buddy, say, I got me a whole whoop of faith. Amen. Amen. I got plenty of faith. I got plenty of faith. I got faith. Yeah. Yeah, I got faith. My faith's working. Tell them my faith is working. My faith is alive. My faith is active. My faith is strong. Come on now. Don't be sitting there saying, I wish I had faith. Stop the wishing already. Wishing don't work. I can save you a lot of hassle. Wishing don't work. Jesus didn't say, what things soever ye wish for when you pray. Wish and hope and slobber and cry and beg God and get on the prayer chain. See what happens. We'll try to get something done here for you. Next. That's not how he, that's not how he taught, is it? <laughs> he said, you believe, you receive, and you shall have. They which are of faith, they're the same, they are the children of Abraham. So I'm a child of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify Brian by faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham because I was in 
Abraham. Because the seed was in Abraham, and I was in the seed. The seed is Jesus. In thee shall all nations be blessed. The nations is the non-Jewish peoples of the earth. That's almost everybody in the room. Right? That's almost all of us now, isn't it? Next, please. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Woo-wee. Abraham, you understand now that Abraham was 400 years before the law of Moses. So all the thou shalt nots were not in the earth yet. Nobody could come to Abram and say, oh, you, you know, you missed church. You're going to hell. You smoked a cigarette. You're going to hell. Right? You said a dirty word. Go to hell. Man, it's amazing the stuff we condemn people to the eternal fires of hell for, isn't it? Abram never heard any of that stuff. God came and said, I'm going to bless you. Do you believe it? He said, yep, you're righteous. Do you believe you're blessed? Take it. So I'm taking the blessing. Come on now. I'm taking the blessing. Everybody, I'm taking the blessing. One more time. I'm taking the blessing. One more time. I'm taking the blessing. Don't let the devil take it from you. The blessing includes healing. The blessing includes your prosperity. I said P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-Y, prosperity. That means more than enough. We got more than enough. You should have more than enough. Well, I just want just barely enough, Pastor. I just want just a little tiny bit. I just want just barely enough. I like struggling and starving. That's cool. I, I like hassling over paychecks with my boss because I can't pay my light bill. I really get a kick out of that. I can't help you. <laughs> you know? If you don't know the difference between good and evil, I can't help you. Starving out is evil. I tried it. I didn't like it. Having food is, is cool. Yeah, having your light bill paid is groovy, man. It's great, right? Try it, you'll like it. Okay. For as many as of the works of the law, those that are relying on their own righteousness to please God is what he's talking about. Abandon your righteousness. I could save you a lot of hassle. Just abandon the whole thing. Stop telling God, well, I did this. How come you won't do that? You want to go back to the Old Testament? Are you a bewitched Galatian? I did this, Jesus. How come I can't have that? That's not how you get it. You don't get it by performing. Abram didn't get it by, by performing. Neither do you. Right. You've got to claim it because it's in your inheritance. If you find a dusty old document in your attic, it's got your name on it. It says you're the heir of a vast fortune. It don't say nothing about in there about, you know. If you say a dirty word, then you don't get none of this. Right? If you ever make a slip up, ever make a mistake, you can't get none of this. No, it just all you, you need to do is go into the court and identify yourself. Say, here's the document, Your Honor, and here's my driver's license. Give me my stuff, amen. Right? He's going to say, granted, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. The curse of the law is, is twofold. Number one, you can't fulfill the law. There's no Levitical priesthood. There's no temple on the Temple Mount. The Muslims are playing soccer on the Temple Mount. You can't fulfill the law. There's 613 requirements, or 613 commandments in the Levitical law. There's the, uh, the, the moral law, the civil law, the dietary law, all of it. You got no shot. Why don't you just believe in Jesus? He did all that for you and gave it to you as a free gift. Amen. Just take it home with you. Amen. It says, all right, Jesus, I'm just going to take this home with me. I don't deserve it, but I'm taking it anyway. That's how this works. That's why they call it good news. Because even Brian could get some. Brian could get more than he could ever desire. God knew what Brian would desire before Brian knew. He knows what you like more than you do. He created you. Butter pecan ice cream. <laughs> Don't ever buy me no butter pecan ice cream. I will rebuke you from the pulpit if you bring me butter pecan. God knew I'd like butter pecan ice cream. Maybe one spoonful. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> well, what's that? Key lime pie. John, where's John? Key lime pie. He brought me a little sliver of key lime pie on my birthday. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. You all getting hungry? <laughs> Cursed, 
For it is written, cursed is everyone that doesn't continue to do everything written in the book of the law. We were all under the curse. We were all under the curse. You might as well just get used to it. He says, if you don't do everything in the law, you're done. You're toast. <laughs> that was me. Right. Next. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evident, because the Bible already said many, many times, the just shall live by faith. It even said that in the Old Testament. Say, the just, the just shall live by faith. Abraham was justified by God through his faith. What is justification? Anybody know? It's having been declared righteous. You know, Brother Hagin, I heard him say it. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what Abraham found out. Abraham, uh, uh, Romans chapter 4 verse 1 says, What shall we say that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? And the BLT answer to that is, Abraham discovered that God wanted to treat him as if sin had never existed. Where would we be if sin had never existed? Heaven? The Garden of Eden? Somewhere in between? The two of them smashed together? That'd be all right now, wouldn't it, Al? Huh? That'd be all right, wouldn't it? And God, that's how God wants to treat you. No man is justified by the law on the side of God. It's evident. The just shall live by faith. Next, please. Here we go. Hang on tight. We're almost done. Coming in for a landing here. Verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. There it is. What does redeemed mean? Anybody ever go to a pawn shop? Don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> if you take something to the pawn shop, they give you a, what do they call that thing? A, a ticket, whatever, right? And that means, that gives you the right to go back and buy back your stuff, right? If you can talk mom and them into giving you enough money, right? Right? So you go back and you're redeeming your stuff. You're getting back something that used to belong to you, but you lost legal rights to it. When Adam sinned, God lost legal rights to the race of mankind. It's just that simple. God lost his, his parental rights through Adam's transgression. That's why his sin was so, so deep. It wasn't just a mistake. Okay, I took a bite of apple, so what? No, it was a very deep rebellion. Christ bought us back. We were the private property of Satan, so to speak, from the time that Adam sinned until Jesus rose from the dead and entered into the holy place with his blood and paid the price for us and redeemed you. So who is redeemed? Technically, in the New Testament, who is redeemed? Whosoever. Whosoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes the gospel shall not perish, but shall receive this Zoe life, which produces the blessing. Boy, that's good Bible teaching right there, friends. That is good Bible teaching. I will get this podcast up for you, and I suggest you, you uh, live in it. Live in it. This is, this is strong today. Amen? Not because I'm anybody, but because the Holy Ghost is in the house here today. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Jesus was made a curse. Do you understand that Jesus was made a curse for us? Do you understand that Jesus absorbed coronavirus on the cross for you? You ain't got to have it. Why would you say things like, well, I guess we all got to get sick sometimes. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You ain't got to get sick. Why would you believe for sickness? You know, when we say things like, every time I get some money, something always breaks. Your angel's saying, why do they want their stuff to break? I don't know why they'd want their stuff to break. But I've been sent by God, the angel's speaking, I've been sent by God to commission or to bring into, into reality the words you speak by faith. If you're speaking destruction by faith, your angel, he has to kind of step back because he's been sent by God to enforce the blessing. He's like, well, I don't know why they want to be cursed. But 
That's what they want. And they're a child of God. And I can't interfere with this. That's why you've got to speak the blessing in the face of all evidence to the contrary. That's why you have to speak healing when the doctor says you're going to die in five minutes. Amen. Amen. Say, I'm healed. I am healed. I'm not trying to get healed. Friend, your faith will heal you. Your faith, your faith will make you whole. Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood who had struggled with this situation for 12 years and spent, did I say Mark chapter 5? She spent all that she had for 12 years and was nothing better but rather grew worse. She came and touched Jesus' garment. Jesus felt the power go out of him. He said, who touched, who touched me, guys? Come on, guys. Who? And the guy said, Jesus, everybody's touching you. It's a crowd. Everybody's mobbing you, right? He says, no, no, there came a touch of faith. I sensed the virtue leaving me. And he looked around and found her. She was hiding because she was probably scared, <laughs> right? Because she took a healing without permission, right? She was, maybe the master's going to make me give it back. And Jairus, I believe that the man's name was, who was the ruler of the synagogue standing right there, had the authority to have her stoned. Because she was a woman with an issue of blood. She was ceremonially unclean. Yet she pushed through all that religion and said, I'm going to take me some. And took a healing. Amen. And Jesus told her, daughter, your faith made you whole. Your faith made you well. He did not tell her, because I'm the son of God, you have been made well. Well, if that was the case, why didn't he make everybody well? God doesn't play favorites, but God responds to faith. In fact, technically, the anointing responds to faith. Say, the anointing, the anointing comes to me, comes to me. In, response in response to my faith. faith. Right? And there's faith in this room. Take what you need right now. Take what you need right now. You know, when our grandkids come to the house, I mean, they go running for the kitchen. They go running for the pantry. They go running for every corner of the house because they know where all the good stuff is. They don't ask. They just come take it. Just come take what you need. I don't know what you need or desire. And you can have what you desire. Isn't that what Jesus said? Yes. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. He said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray. You believe you receive it, and you're going to have them. You say, right now, Lord, at 11.49 a.m., I believe I receive, and fill in the blank. He wants you to have the desires of your heart. Amen. All right. Can you go back to Galatians for me, please? I'm almost done. Everybody good today? You good? Christ has redeemed us. He bought us back from the curse of the law. You're not under the curse. Say, I'm not under the curse. You know, if you read uh, Deuteronomy 28, there's a part in there where it says, in the morning you're going to say, oh, God, I wish it was evening. In the evening you're going to say, oh, God, I wish it was morning. You've got to enjoy life right where you are. That's the blessing. Well, I'm not where I want to be. Well, big deal. Thank God for where you are. Thank God for what you have. Stop looking at what you ain't got and start thanking God for what you do have. Amen. I mean, if you live in, in the sound of my voice, you're probably fabulously wealthy compared to about 99% of the people on planet Earth. I mean, you got running water. You probably came to church in a car. Amen. You know? Amen. We got a lot. We're rich in this country. Amen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written. Say, it is written. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That was in the, that was in the law of Moses, that if uh, any person that hangs on a tree is cursed. And Jesus, as the fulfillment of the Mosaic law, hung on the tree to absorb the curse for me, if and when I believe it. i got to hear it, i got to believe it, and then start acting on it. Amen? Just act on it. Just act in faith. Brother Hagin used to say, just act in faith, you'll get all of God's blessings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like the grandkids come in our house. Just come take anything they want. Wow, Pastor, you make it sound easy. I didn't write this. <laughs> I wish I had. Why did God... Go, go back to verse 13, please. 
I want to show you something. Do you see at the very end of the verse here it says, hangeth on a tree? See the colon at the end of verse 13? Now the translators of the King James Bible added that grammatically uh, for your understanding. You know, in, in, in this day and age we don't understand colons and semicolons very well. But 500 years ago the people that wrote this understood when they put a colon in there. That means that you would understand that because this is true, this is also true. Because what I just said is true, what I'm about to say is also true. You follow me? So you could put the word so or so that at the end of verse 13. And I did in my old paper Bible. I don't really get my, my paper Bible out too much anymore. But in my paper Bible, I wrote so that at the end of verse 13. And I'm going to read it to you like that, okay? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And the promise of the Spirit, that would take me another Sunday to teach on that, but basically the promise of the Spirit is everything that we lost in Adam's fall. God promised us through the Spirit to restore all things. And it's a long, deep, wide promise. It's not just one verse. It's many, many verses. But Jesus absorbed the curse so that we might receive the blessing. Say, I believe. I receive the blessing. All right. Praise the Lord.